0: The Baptist and the Buddhist, identical twin brothers with two vastly different faiths. Join them as they explore their respective religions and how they differ and how they relate. Same DNA, different
1: religions. Hey everybody, you are listening to The Baptist and The Buddhist with Mark and Brian. And we are showing a special episode for you today. And I said listening to because I don't think there's going to be video for this um but this is a very no. special bonus episode for everyone out there this uh is an interview we're being interviewed it's not our podcast this is not our podcast right now guys this is someone else's <laughs> um but we were we were very kindly invited over to the RE podcast is that right Brian
0: Yeah the RE podcast all it, it's a podcast dedicated to uh religious education
1: so they saw us for some reason they thought we were cool enough to be on their show and uh and they had a great wonderful conversation with us um and it was a uh, Louisa Jane Smith if I if I'm getting that right she runs yeah. that podcast over there and uh she just talked to us candidly kind of like our podcast and um w- w- she was very kind enough to share it with the both of us and we can post that episode Right here, right now. Anything else to follow up with, Brian?
0: Uh, It was just a really fun experience to have, you know, an outsider approaching us about this concept that we have for our podcast and kind of getting an outsider perspective and questions that we might not necessarily ask ourselves and each other. That's
1: very true, yeah. I guess I never really even thought of that, but it was kind of a unique experience where they got to instead of us talking to each other and asking each other questions, we got to be the ones that were being asked questions independently. And like we got to answer our, uh, our unique answers and see someone else's perspective on those. Yeah. So that was really
0: cool. And for me, it was just really cool because I'm a big fan of religious studies. So it was, it was fun to you know be involved in in that and yeah, just be able to geek out with someone someone else about religious studies <laughs> <laughs> no that's that's very true. um and
1: apparently she has a good a good uh, a good audience out there, and usually it's it sounds like it's usually uh, younger students that are like kind of delving into this religious education field. And yeah who, the
0: aim I think the audience the aim the audience is the audience the aim wow I think the target audience there we go is, is is younger people who um and you will hear her little tagline which I think is very clever uh, that religious education Ari is boring and she'll prove it to you yeah I was <laughs> just gonna mention that that was that was very uh very clever and
1: pretty amusing for pretty, pretty funny. Yeah. (laughs) So I think, uh, anything else to say before we let our listeners listen in?
0: No, I think we should just get, get to it and let them hear it. (laughs) Okay, sweet. Well, here is
1: the RE podcast episode, the one with the Baptist and the Buddhist. Here we go.
2: My name is Louisa Jane Smith, and this is the RE podcast, the podcast for those of you who think RE is boring, which it is, and I'll prove it to you. I'm absolutely delighted that I found these gentlemen on um, Instagram, who is Mark and Brian. So uh, Mark the Baptist and Brian the Buddhist, as they are commonly known. And they created this incredible podcast because their Shyamalan twist.
1: Yes. Is that what you call it? M. Night Shyamalan.
2: The M. Night Shyamalan twist is that they are identical twins and have just followed very, very different paths. So the tagline for their podcast is same DNA, different religion. Can I just first of all welcome you to the RE podcast? Yes.
1: Thank you. Thank Thank you you for having us. I'm very excited to be here. As well am I.
2: What strikes me about your podcast and what really stood out to me is that you have the same aim as mine, which is to have dialogue, not an argument. Mm -hmm. You're not here to convert anybody, to convert each other, but just to model what good dialogue talks about and interfaith dialogue looks about. So that really struck me about your podcast. Brian, do you want to introduce yourself first?
0: Yeah, sure. Sure. I'm I'm Brian, the Buddhist. And yeah, I think the aim is really what you talked about, dialogue instead of debate. That's a huge part of, of why I'm doing this. And the Buddhist versus the Baptist, maybe, <laughs> maybe not versus, but, and I think interfaith dialogue is the biggest aim uh when it comes to anything really religion based or especially opening up conversation, you know. And yeah, when we went into this podcast, that was my biggest aim, is two very, very different sides, you know, let's let's yeah. talk about it.
2: Oh, we definitely want to get into those differences later. But Mark, do you want to just introduce yourself?
1: Yeah, I'm uh Mark the Baptist. I use the term Baptist a little generally. Um and if you listen to the podcast you'll know why. Growing up with Brian, it's really interesting to see how far, quote-unquote, apart we've grown, but it's brought us so close together, and especially with getting into this podcast, I think it's just it made us that much closer. It's been incredible to see, but we live 800 miles away from each other. We keep in touch every day, and we do this podcast. We record it usually on season on a seasonal basis every week, so we, we really keep in touch, and it helps us... Uh, communicate better i think
2: that's such a lovely thing and actually you mentioned there your upbringing because obviously you're twins so you've got the same parents and you brought up (laughs) in the same house so tell us a little bit about your upbringing because it was a religious upbringing wasn't it
1: yeah um i guess i'll speak for us brian um for a little bit and you can fill in the gaps we (laughs) we grew up in a in a mostly christian home from my perspective today it wasn't extremely emphasized but we did go to you know sunday school and church every week for a good part of our younger years and kind of stopped doing that probably in like a, in a high school generation of ours. So, it was really not emphasized, especially in our later years, and I think that's kind of the transition to take us where we were going. But do you have anything to fill in, Brian?
0: I would add that it was from my perspective, you know it it was a non denominational Protestant Christian upbringing that from what I took away from our early years was a emphasis on the and this is just what I took away from it, so I can't speak for mark on this, but a emphasis on the the love of Jesus and the kind of the compassion that kind of bled over into my later exploration of religion. But yeah, you, as you said, it kind of loosened up and I don't want to say faded out, but the emphasis on the religion aspect of our upbringing kind of faded yeah. away a bit and You know, in our later years. To see that kind of fading away that you said,
1: I don't really think it, I mean, we had our own personal dealings with what we experienced in going to a church in our younger years. But I don't think anything really ever clicked for me personally, like, oh, yeah, like, I just called myself a Christian back then because we went to a Christian church. I didn't really know what that meant. Mm. And, you know, maybe it was the teaching that really didn't help us out, or maybe it was just our own young minds.
2: So what was the catalyst then for you both finding your own personal faith, but that was so different from each other? So... Brian, maybe start with you. What happened to lead you to Buddhism?
0: Yeah, so I was always curious about different beliefs and faiths. And I think it was really through reading books. I was such a bookworm as a kid. And I remember in high school reading uh, several different books that kind of introduced me to different beliefs and religions. And it really started making me think, wow, they're there are so many different beliefs out there, but I was I was still kind of stuck in the idea that I am what I was raised to be up until I think I was 19, 18 or 19 when I had this realization, you know, I'm an adult. I can find a practice and a, and a faith tradition that more aligns with my ideals and values and beliefs. And so that really catapulted me into a religious exploration where I, I spent several years in the pagan traditions like Wicca and Druidry. And from there, I just had so many wonderful encounters with so many different beliefs. And it was kind of by happenstance that I came upon Buddhism when a group of Tibetan monks visited a local temple. And we heard about it and we decided, let's go check that out. And from that visit on, I just never stopped going to that temple and just really got interested in Buddhism and, and discovered, wow, there's a lot in here that just works for me.
2: And I definitely want to explore that. And I want to ask you that later. So what is it about Buddhism that really appeals to you and that you love about it? Mm. Mark, what about you? What led you to kind of reconfirm almost Christianity for yourself rather than from your upbringing?
1: Yeah, so it was almost the same path that Brian was going down. Especially in high school, we started learning about like the dark romanticism and transcendentalism. And I was really at that point, like past like graduation and like I was starting to work. I was kind of getting, getting into a universalist kind of mindset, really nature focused. I was trying to dabble into transcendentalism. And just out of strange situations of um, meeting new people in my life, I was speaking with who is now my wife, and she confronted me with what Christianity would normally call the gospel. And she asked me some questions, and I'm like, I never really thought of it that way. Like, I never looked, I never heard that before. Like, why hasn't anyone told me this before? And really, out of just the conviction of my heart, I'm like... A lot of times in Christianity, they say, you know, coming to the the decision to believe in Jesus and what he, his works he did on the cross, that's called being saved or, you know, you become a Christian then. So in November of 2009, I made that decision um, and I've never really looked back since then.
2: And it's interesting, isn't it? Because DNA wise, you are exactly the same. Yeah. Have you explored why you've taken such different paths? So what is it? Brian, I think that has meant you've turned to Buddhism, and Mark, why you've turned to Christianity? Have you explored as to what the difference is? Yeah, yeah.
0: it's a good question. I think we've touched on it quite a few times, but maybe not delved too deep into it. But I thought I thought a bit about this, and the only big thing that I can tell, like what I did different, was I was I always had my nose in a book. I just like devoured fantasy books, which really has a lot of basis on like multiculturalism and world religion. So, you get these tastes of different lifestyles, which just really opened my eyes and got me curious about yeah, I mean, world religion. Yeah,
1: I think maybe that is where a big main difference is because, you know, Brian was a bookworm and I'm like, I'm not going to read. He can read for me and he'll, he'll explain every book to me that he reads. Um, so, I was kind of reading vicariously through him. But I think, yeah, I think we were both on like a kind of search for truth or search for meaning or something. And the things that were occurring in our life as we were growing and kind of growing a little separate, having our own lives, not sharing the same room, (laughs) we kind of ran into different things. And, you know, for me, it was really when I was confronted with those questions that my now wife asked me, it just made sense. And like, I was overcome with like, wow, like that's what they were trying to tell us this whole time in church or something? Like, I never even heard of this before.
2: I mean, just to follow up on that, what is it about Christianity that you love? So obviously, you know, you've talked about the fact that it just kind of resonated in your heart. It just made sense when someone fully explained that God loves you, that he sent down Jesus, Jesus died for your sins, you can now be saved through that, you can gain salvation, you can go to heaven. What is it that really, you know, day to day you love about Christianity?
1: Yeah, I think, like, especially when it comes to the attraction of, like, what initially drew me and what continues to draw me, I think it really was the fact that, like, the message of God sent his son and everything in your future and your destiny, you know, your ultimate destiny is hinged on what he did and not what you were doing. And I think I was kind of, like, toiling in my mind, trying to reconcile what was truth and my life and, you know, what would my afterlife be and instead of worrying and fretting about like how am I gonna ever like attain that ultimate destiny, I found out through the, you know, a couple of verses that it wasn't about what I did. And I'm like, oh, that gave me great comfort. And I think what keeps me going is that love of God that took care of it for me and then now he's he takes care of his own and kind of a, an amendment to that initial like discovery was when I started getting into more advanced kind of studies. And I'm really what you would consider what's called a grace believer. And it's a different approach to the Bible, more aligned with Baptists and technically probably fundamentally Baptists. But it's different in a way and I think more of a minority among
0: Baptists.
2: So the idea that you're saved by grace, not through anything you've done, but through the love of God.
0: Right, exactly.
2: And kind of what I guess a lot of the Book of Romans talks about, isn't it, is that actually this is about, you know, God has done everything he needs to do for you and you don't have to do anything.
1: Exactly, exactly.
2: Brian, what about you? What is it about Buddhism that you really love, that really attracts you to that?
0: Well, initially, it was the emphasis on mindfulness and kindness and and this aspect called ahimsa, the harmlessness. And I suppose that's probably still true. Um, But what I find so useful in the Buddhist practice is that, you know, it offers what some people might see as a pessimistic worldview at first, um, but really maybe realistic um, is that, you know, life contains suffering. Mm. You know, life's not always going to be great. And the sooner we realize that, maybe the better we can cope with it. And that's where it really gets me is that it offers this practice where you can develop a kind of an understanding of that suffering. A very experiential, noetic understanding that, wow, life isn't always that great. Mm. And it's emphasized a lot in that it is what you do, how you develop yourself, and you do not rely on anyone else for that development Mm. and understanding. And ultimate liberation.
2: So it's interesting. It's about ma- managing expectations, but also giving you solutions. So life is going to yeah. suck. You know, is it Dukkha, isn't it? it <laughs> is life is suffering. But actually, there's things you can do to limit that. Yeah. Now, just listening to both of you, and from my own knowledge of the two religions, the biggest difference seems to be, or the biggest difference between Christianity and Buddhism, Christianity, it's all right. God's got it sorted. Don't worry about it. I've done everything that needs to happen. It's okay. Enjoy it. Whereas Buddhism is a bit like, right, life sucks and you've got to do this, 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 and this. (laughs) (laughs) How do you see maybe the biggest difference between Buddhism and Christianity?
1: I mean, for myself, I think probably the biggest factor, especially after all of our conversations we've had, Brian, is the Buddhists almost, I see it almost as like strive for this path. And um, it takes a lot of effort and, you know, some of that does cross over um because in Christianity yeah Jesus took care of it all you know as far as our sin goes but you know life is hard there are many troubles and toils that you'll go through in life but we always have this comfort to go back to you know this moment will pass like this suffering will pass and things that await for us are far greater like again like that bleeds right into Buddhism as well so I think it definitely comes down to, oh, I don't even know what it comes down to, to be honest. like
2: Maybe just responsibility. One, God has ultimate responsibility. In Buddhism, it's individual responsibility.
1: In a way, yeah. I mean, in Christianity, we are responsible for things we do. but mm. And it, it does have an eternal consequence for the things we do. But it's not one where we lose our eternal salvation or lose our place in the mm-hmm. heavenlies. So it does have different consequences from my point of view.
2: Okay. Brian, what about you? What do you think are the sort of main differences between Buddhism and Christianity?
0: I mean, there's foundational cosmological differences. Um, I mean, for example, in Christianity, there's, you know, a monotheistic approach. There's a creator God. There's a specific beginning to this existence. And in Buddhism, there's a lack of an aspect of creator deity of any sort. And no real framework for the beginning of time or the end of time. It's an endless cycle. But also on top of that, I think it does go back to that kind of responsibility. I mean, Mark, you said there's this striving And you could argue it's a striving for non-striving, especially if you get into like (laughs) zen. Um, (laughs) But yeah, I think it's where kind of the emphasis on how you get to the end goal in a way. But also, as Mark said, there's a lot of like overlap in that. Mm. Mm -hmm. But
2: actually, you know, both of you are aiming towards an end, which is the end of suffering. For Mark, that's in heaven. Brian, that's when you have eliminated the ego and, you know, you're not craving anymore. But ultimately, your end purpose is exactly the same. It's just the path in which you're choosing to get there, right?
1: Right. Yeah. I mean, I think that's
0: exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. I think that kind of overarching goal is shared among a lot of the, you know, world religions. And it kind of gives you like a Mm -hmm. kind of a general framework of how religion in general works is that it's kind of in my mind it's almost like religion is created as a coping mechanism for being you know it's like wow you know this isn't the most fun thing in the world how do we deal with this (laughs) right
2: (laughs) so that's certainly it and maybe you know brian you mentioned ahimsa earlier and i'm thinking like you know golden rule and and rule over the earth That actually how we treat others and how we treat the world around us, again, is commonality between the two religions, right?
1: Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah.
2: And the ten, well, five precepts and the sort of ten commandments, there's overlap there. Just don't be horrible to people. Be nice, be kind, be honest, be authentic.
1: Right, exactly.
2: Morally, it seems to be very, very similar. And the end result seems to be similar. It's just the packaging.
1: Yeah, it's... Yeah, and really, I mean, as Solomon says, there's no new thing under the sun. So, like, definitely the overlaps. Like, I think it's natural for people, we can get angry in our own emotions, but it's natural for us to want to be kind to another and, like, yeah. be able to be civil.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think it's indicative in Buddhism. The Buddha talks a lot about, like, the wilderness of views that you can get caught up in, which is all these philosophical stances and even approaches of the self and he emphasizes the fact that you need to set those aside and what do you have left except for friendliness towards others compassion you know
2: Mm, yeah i want to come back to the buddha later because i want to do a little bit of a comparison between jesus and the buddha but earlier you mentioned creation and so obviously christianity has this very linear idea there's a beginning and there's an end and there was a cause to that beginning Buddhism has this kind of cyclical idea. Brian, do you wonder about cosmology? Do you wonder about cause? How do you kind of reconcile that with a sort of cyclical Buddhist idea that there is no beginning? Yeah. Especially if, when science says there is. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, it's interesting when you look at the suttas and this, the stories of Buddhism, the Buddha actually talks about, like, he gives you this idea of this beginningless time where he mentions the expansion of, and contractions of worlds, and so, the Big Bang really is not at odds, like the beginning of this universe is not at odds with Buddhism because, wow. you know, some, I know some scientists out there yeah. play with the idea of the Big Bang and the Big Crunch. And so, you know, existence doesn't necessarily have to conform to our understanding of modern physics in order to be classified as existence.
2: Yeah. But that's really interesting that that this expansion idea predates the idea of Big Bang by like
1: yeah. 1500
2: <laughs> years. You know, which is interesting, isn't it? And actually, there is talking within the scientific community that Mm. there's been multiple expansions Mm. and contractions. You've kind of got this like oscillating universe (laughs) theory. Very interesting. So, Mark, let's talk about sort of life after death, because actually, you have very, very fixed ideas about what that will take. Just talk to us about that.
1: Yeah, and just I'm going to do a real quick explanation because Brian knows where I'm going with this. But um, with the Bible teaching, you know, generally you think you die, you go to heaven. If you're not right with God, you go to hell. But there definitely is a little more to that, especially from a, I mentioned like a grace believer point of view. And really, all that really means is that I believe the Bible has different dispensings of truth for different people at different times. And it's called dispensationalism. And from my point of view and where I come from, that's a huge part of understanding the Bible. So the afterlife, for me, I'm just going to stick with me because there's another part of the earth is involved as well. But for me, the afterlife, if I die right now, I'm going to go up to what we call the third heaven. That's where God dwells. God the Father is there right now. Jesus is at his right hand. Um, And that's outside of the universe. The universe is basically, if you want to just call it a bubble, like it's outside of that bubble. but Really, ultimately, the ultimate afterlife is when God reconciles all things in the universe to himself. So he's going to reconcile the earth and have that under his reign. And also the heavenlies, which is outer space, the universe, all of physical creation in that bubble, he also reconciles that back to himself. And that's where grace believers in this age, I use that term a lot, in this age, that's where our part plays because we are, we are used in Christ to subdue the heavenlies and reign with Christ in the heavenlies um, and not on earth. So really, basically, like it almost sounds like to some Baptists, it sounds cultish or weird, but like we're going to be like out in the stars in this in space. Like and some people might say that sounds kind of Mormonish or, uh, you know, different. But that I mean, to me, that's that's what the Bible says. Mm mm-hmm. Especially in Paul's epistles. Where do I go?
2: (laughs) Am I allowed to ask that question?
1: (laughs) So, I can't answer for you, like, if you're a believer a non-believer, are you right with God? Sometimes we will probably be surprised on who makes it, quote-unquote, and who doesn't. You know, right now, if an unsaved person dies, they go into where we believe is the center of the earth, hell. And then at the end of this prophetic timeline that God has spelled out in the Bible, hell is actually dumped into everlasting fire, the lake of fire. Mm-hmm. And that is thought to be maybe outside of creation, outer darkness, as you will hear some circles call it, and the Bible calls it that too. Some will say it's at the very bottom of all creation, like the south of the universe or whatever, but, uh, um, and then there. I mean, eternity happens from there, from those points, so. Mm. And it's just the outer darkness or the everlasting fire or even, you know, hell will be, it's a place of separation from God. Mm. And, you know, the Bible will describe it as like a place of darkness and gnashing of teeth and thirst, basically.
2: Yeah. So there is an eternal existence for all humans.
1: Yeah. It's
2: essentially what you believe. Yeah. Brian, how does Buddhism deal with the afterlife? Is that a meaningless concept
0: in a way it is kind of a meaningless concept because what happens after death is the continuation of life so you have the idea of rebirth into another form classically there are five sometimes six different realms including ghosts and hell realms and animal and human and gods so you know when you die there's a continuation of life It gets a little tricky, though, when you start exploring the idea of not-self, because that negates the idea of a continuation of a soul or a personal self. Mm. So, the big question is, like, what continues after that? And that goes back to what we would call the universal law of cause and effect, karma. Yeah. So, the thoughts and words and actions that you have, like, every single one of them has a consequence. And so... In a lot of schools of Buddhism, there's a continuing stream of these cause and effects. And that is what kind of continues on into the next iteration of existence. Mm -hmm. So there's a kind of a lack of identity there, but it's still a continuation of sorts.
2: Yeah. I want to slightly change the kind of question I'm asking now, because when I was preparing for this interview, I had this idea in my head of, Jesus and the Buddha sitting down at a table and having a chat. What do you think they'd say to each other? Let's start with Mark.
1: Oh, man. You know, that was such a hard question to answer, especially because you see Jesus, his dialogue in the Bible when he's on earth with people is very specific towards his dealing with Israel. But, like, we have to remember that Jesus was and is a man. And I hate referring to, like, Media, But, like, I love how the series The Chosen has portrayed Jesus as a man, and he's very just, like, human. And I think a lot of Christians need to remember that, that he was a human. So, if he was talking to the Buddha, like, he might just be chatting, you know, small talk. But I think it also, on the other hand, let's say things get serious, and he's talking to, like, Nicodemus, like, you must be born again or something like that maybe in this day and age he might bring up something talking about you know laying down your burdens to god to him jesus um the son of god it's so hard it's so hard to, so hard to mm. put words in jesus mouth <laughs> but um the first thing that came to my mind was you know laying down your own burdens and like trusting in him mm. for all things i can't get you know, the the Bible says we have the mind of Christ, but I don't think I have the mind of Christ to be able to, <laughs> Yet. to <a> dialogue for <laughs> <Yeah>. him.
2: <laughs> no, but it's interesting. Actually, almost what you're saying is that Jesus would try and convert the Buddha.
1: I think Jesus himself is the God of creation. So when it comes to matters of like authority or... Salvation. The Bible says he doesn't, like, God does not want anyone to perish but have everlasting life. So it would almost be a necessity for him to preach his gospel. And, you know, you see in the four gospels, that's all he's doing. He's going around healing people, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, saying, repent and be baptized. And in this day and age, if Jesus was to have an earthly ministry, I think he would be going around showing his love washing people's feet, if that's a custom, um, and being a good neighbor and preaching the truth, basically, you know, Mm. everyone sins, and everyone is forgiven through the cross. And I think he would touch on that at least once.
2: Yeah, that's really interesting. Brian, what do you think would happen in that conversation?
0: My first inclination was that they might not do a lot of talking. Yeah <laughs> um, they might they might just you know enjoy the silence together maybe um but when you look at the discourses of the Buddha and his conversations with others the Buddha didn't appear to be a very big conversationalist he did a lot of a lot of asking of questions especially mm. i think if if Jesus started preaching his dispensation i think the Buddha would ask a lot of questions. Maybe because Mm. especially kind of a monotheistic salvation-based doctrine would kind of be foreign to him a little. Yeah, But you do see in Buddha's discourses, he talks to followers of Jainism, contemporary different Vedic traditions. And so you do see him dialogue a little with people of different faiths and beliefs and what it really comes down to is usually he will ask questions about their approach and you know, just I don't wanna say he he doesn't stump them, but he just kind of asks the right questions to make them think,
1: I think. You know, I love that you brought that up, Brian, because as soon as I stopped talking, you started talking I thought of something, and that was Jesus might ask questions because in the Bible you see even from Genesis one you see God asking questions. And why does He ask questions? It's not that He doesn't know the answer, but He wants the person He's asking to think about that. Yeah. So asking questions, maybe it would just be question after question, <laughs> answering <laughs> yeah, with yeah. questions.
2: <laughs> you know, it's interesting because I just think probably the Buddha and Jesus are so similar in so many ways, in the cutting through bull. Asking great questions, explaining difficult things in very simple ways using an analogy. Yeah, that's true. Really challenging people and, on who they are, but not in a way that undermines people, or but in a way that empowers them. Mm. And I would probably say they're the, probably the two people that have had the most impact on my life in terms of how you should treat people. Mm. Yeah, definitely. They stood up for what was right without judging people. They looked at authority and they challenged authority to be better they treated people equally and then just their use of analogy and mm. parables to try and explain difficult things. I think they're both so good at it. I'd love to be at that table with yeah. the two of them, but I yeah. think you're right that actually they're both going to just be asking a lot of questions. It'd be like a political <laughs> debate or something, <laughs> wouldn't it? So um I also wanted to talk about prayer versus meditation. I know, Brian, mm. you mentioned mindfulness earlier. What are the similarities? And Brian, we'll start with you. What are the similarities between meditation and prayer
0: oh wow this this is a good a good question and i think mark and i have talked about this before and i mean the the type of prayer you see in christianity you might see in some forms of buddhism but in the forms of buddhism i'm most familiar with you don't really see this kind of i don't know if you could call it an outward kind of dialogue with a higher being but in buddhism meditation is very specifically aimed at cultivating kind of this awareness being able to see and to penetrate into your own mind to really pull out what the nature of experience in a way and in my experience there's there's not a whole lot of the kind of christian prayer format in that
2: okay rock what about you
0: Yeah, with prayer or
1: meditation, you know, the Bible calls us to meditate. And, you know, meditation, what is it? It's kind of like an inward look, trying to kind of figure yourself out. But we're called to meditate upon the words. And really, in Christianity, it's a dealing with God's spirit in you. Christians, according to the Bible, have God's spirit dwelling in you. And that's kind of the communication device through the Bible and through prayer. Prayer is us talking to God. And uh, I think a good point Brian was kind of bringing up is like, you don't see the type of prayer in Buddhism. But I think a lot of times we forget that Paul tells us to pray without ceasing. It's always like a just a mental conversation or like a intentional thoughts in your actions or intentional actions in your thoughts. And to have that unceasing dialogue, if you will. And it's not like, you know... Dear Lord in heaven, like it doesn't have to be formal. I know a guy that like if he does a formal prayer, it's just like, hey God, it's me again. You kind of make it personal to yourself because Jesus is supposed to be personal to you, and the Holy Spirit is supposed to be personal to you. Mm -hmm. Um, So the similarities, I think, is more of kind of a an internal confirmation or an internal look at what are you doing and. How can it be purposeful according to whatever purpose you're purposing it for?
2: I mean, from my point of view, prayer is very much conversation. It's very much dialogue. Whereas meditation seems to be more observation and awareness. But actually, they're both trying to achieve the same Mm. thing, which is connecting to something that's greater than yourself. Or just taking that moment out of your day just to kind of reset. Like, again, it seems to be having the same purpose, but just packaged differently. One being based on a conversation or a dialogue and one being based on just observation. I don't know if that's an accurate.
1: I would say that would be, you know, fairly accurate. Mm. Again, like with how I understand prayer, it doesn't always have to be dialogue. But, you know, thoughts and intentions can also be part of that as well. But yeah, Yeah. dialogue has a huge part of it. And I would not say no to that at all. (laughs)
2: Yeah, can I just ask as we close? And it's been so delightful talking to you. I, I wish the listeners could kind of just see these two gorgeous faces that I'm looking at. They just <laughs> like they just emit life and light and calmness and joy. It's so lovely. If you could wake up tomorrow, Mark, and one thing was different, what would you want that one thing to be?
1: You know, I I don't know how to answer that. Um, because you know, in in my life, I've been very happy with everything. Um, you know, I find joy in everything. A lot of people will say that about me is like you just have like a lot of joy and you're always happy. But really, like in a big picture, not to be generic, but I I would wish that like I guess more people would be apt to listen, and that's kind of what our podcast kind of aims is to f- listening, because a lot of people expect debate out of like two different religions or you know fiery arguments or one destroys the other one, but. Just listening and, you know, not necessarily just listening to each other's ideas, but listening to yourself, listening to things around you and just being more open, being an open book Mm. and an open ear.
2: That's lovely. Thank you, Mark. What about you, Brian?
0: You know, I might amend my answer because I love that one so
2: much. (laughs) That's (laughs) so nice.
0: (laughs) Like as not only as a Buddhist, but also as a student of religious studies, I I think listening to each other and also to ourselves is so monumentally important. Yeah, And it's that alone could change things in the world for the better. Yeah,
2: absolutely. And I think that's what you do brilliantly on your podcast is just show how very, very clearly you can not have the same beliefs as somebody, but you can sit down and have a really open, lovely, honest, authentic mutually respectful Mm -hmm. conversation and actually the world would be a so much better place if we all did this with people that were different from us rather than Mm -hmm. attack them so what a lovely lovely way to end mark any final thoughts that you'd like to leave our listeners with
1: i think just one more thought from that listening thing like if you do visit our podcast i think you will notice real quick that one half of an episode would be one listening to another not necessarily one talking to another but one listening to another and uh it's just uh I think that emphasis on our side is like huge, and I've been told like, wow, it's just one person saying what they believe, and the the other person saying what they believe. It's like that's exactly right. Like, yeah, we do talk too, but like, we do have conversations. But yeah. I just really appreciate this opportunity to be on your podcast, and it's just it's awesome to be able to get out there and uh, show each other that we can have the same DNA but different thoughts and different <laughs> <Yeah>. origin.
0: <laughs>
2: It's really lovely, isn't it? So, Brian, any final thoughts from you? Just to
0: add to what Mark said, I don't think everyone understands that our podcast isn't just, hey, let's talk about our beliefs. Some of the conversation we have are the first time we are telling each other this too so this is Mm -hmm. our podcast is a firsthand experience for us as well as for the listeners yeah exactly it's very organic
2: that's incredibly special
1: yeah we just go with the topic and run with it we never discuss like points or questions it's just like hey let's talk about you know prayer okay cool and that next thursday we hit (laughs) record and we start talking (laughs) yeah
2: and actually it's incredible because it means it's authentic and it's incredibly special and you're letting yourself you know, you're you're inviting people in to an experience that you're having together, which is absolutely yeah, that can wonderful.
1: be very scary.
2: So yeah, so that's uh, the Baptist and the Buddhist, and I'll put a link to their show um, in the show notes. Mark the Baptist, Brian the Buddhist. Thank you so so much for chatting to us today. It's been so delightful and so. I feel very calm and very peaceful in your presence. You have quite an amazing aura about you both of you. So thank you so much.
1: (laughs) Thank you. Thank you for having us.
2: Thank you. My name is Louisa Jane Smith, and this has been the RE Podcast. The podcast for those of you who think RE is boring, which it is. We just proved it to you. But thank you so much for listening to us bore the life out of you.